Today's episode of the Goldcast is sponsored by the emotional up and down roller coaster that this season is probably going to be. I hope you guys are ready for it because I was ready for it. I hope you guys are ready for it because it's here and it's going to be it's going to be up and down gang. It really is. I hope you guys are ready. Now, before we get started, you can find us on youtube.com slash the gold cast you can also find us on facebook.com slash the gold cast on twitter the gold cast with an underscore and on instagram at the gold cast we got them all somehow we got them all except the twitter one on twitter there's just like this random dude that has the gold cast and he posted like once like in 2012 we never got it back so frustrating anyhow anyways we are here. This is going to be a solo mission for your favorite co-host in the world, Rudy Salisa III. Uh, we're going to talk about the game. We're going to talk about some narratives going into this game, what the narratives were going into week one, what the narratives were going into week two, and what I think the narratives are going to be going into week three of what I think is going to be and what I predicted to be an emotional roller coaster of a season. It is here, but we're here. And you know what? If that really scared you, you're not a 49er faithful. Because this is what it's all about, baby. Being faithful. So before we get started, let's drop that Goldcast intro. Let's go. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Goldcast. Boom. Welcome to another edition of the Goldcast. We are the voice of the faithful. I'm your host, Rudy Sousa III, and with me is just you. That's right. It's another one of our, my solo missions. I actually really like my solo missions. You know, they've happened several times over the years, and I've really enjoyed them, and the feedback's been good. So I'm, I'm happy. I hope you guys are too. So here we are, Goldcast Nation. Let's talk about some narratives. All right, let's talk about it's week two. It's still really early. It's September First of all, it's like, what, it's like what Aaron Rodgers said. I told everyone, hey, relax. I said it after last week's loss. Hey, everybody relax. I'm going to say it after this week's win. Everybody relax. It's, it's going to be okay. So let's talk about some of the narratives going into the season, right? Let's do a little bit of a, a catch-up. So the narratives going into the season this year, a lot of hype. A lot of hype, right? There's so much hype surrounding the 49ers. You know, the, a lot of hype surrounding Jimmy G., uh, and we were everybody's sleeper favorite to, uh, you know, possibly get a wild card position. I don't think anyone had us getting ahead of the Rams. And if you did, you were being way too faithful. And I, I know some fans who did think that. But the 49ers were everyone's dark horse sleeper favorite to be, you know, a, a hard out and be a little bit of a tear going through the regular season. And then we have week one. We go against a tough, tough Minnesota team, a team that was one win away from the Super Bowl last year, a team who arguably, depending on your perspective, played a little bit above their level to get to that NFC championship or didn't play to their level in the NFC championship. It kind of just depends on your perspective. It probably also depends if you're from Minnesota or not, but I digress. So here we go. They play a defense that was stifling. They pretty much shoot themselves in the foot 
Niners had several different opportunities to really steal that game. Goodwin goes down. He's not at 100%. And obviously, our two guards go down, which was huge. And Jimmy Garoppolo, it kind of felt like Jimmy Garoppolo was playing out there by himself. Like It really didn't feel like any of the receivers were really stepping up. Kittle has a pretty big day. Pettis has the touchdown. But the narrative, I think, going out of it, I think the biggest negative glaring issue, aside from not having a really strong defense, not having a strong secondary, I would say the other big narrative that was coming out of that game was the fact that uh, Jimmy Garoppolo had thrown three picks. And, you know, it was he was a little pick-happy the season before. And so the, I think going into this week was a little bit of that vulnerability. We saw this a little bit with Kaepernick, too, you know, when he started throwing a couple picks and it started to shake the foundation. I think what happened, I think you had a 49ers faithful fan base, right, that was super pumped, super excited, ready to go going into Minnesota. I was pretty nervous. I'm not sure how you guys were. I was pretty nervous. I know some fans reached out to us on YouTube and, you know, it was kind of a mixed bag. Some people thought we were confident we were going to win. Others were not so sure. So going into the game, once we stepped out of the game, I think the three interceptions with Jimmy Garoppolo was a big deal. And I think that was something that it was a narrative that we heard repeated throughout the week. Uh, More so than even the defense was Jimmy G. And I think obviously with the big contract and the fact that Jimmy G is, you know, an instant overnight celebrity and he hasn't really played that many games. I think we saw a little bit of the growing pains this season and and it started to show on that first game. And I think that coming into the second week, you had a 49er faithful that wasn't quite as confident, that was a little more nervous, you know, kind of been knocked off our, our high horse a little bit, which I thought was actually good. I said before, I think this team goes 9-7, and seven, maybe 8-8. Eight and eight. I think we're going to struggle against the good teams, and I think we're going to beat up on the little teams. And I think that's what it's going to be. And when we did our prediction show a couple weeks back, I talked about it then. And uh, I had, like I said, I had us at nine and seven is where I had us. So going into this week, I was pretty confident that we could defeat the Detroit Lions. And I think most people were. They had us as six-point favorites. And going into that fourth quarter, it was looking pretty good. Almost looked like the 49ers were going to run away with it. And then... Matt Stafford and that offense just exposed the secondary. You saw Richard Sherman really frustrated on the sidelines. And then, and this is the play I still keep hearing people talk about. This is the play that all the non-Niner fans, I think it's really interesting. If you really want to kind of get an idea, I think it's, if you want to get an idea of where where people see the vulnerability in your team, I think some of the e- the easiest way is to like listen to whatever troll that hates your team's guts, whatever he says. And the one thing I got trolled about today, even though we won, the one thing I was trolled about was that interception that got that got called back. And that's what was that's that is the thing that everyone texts me about. No one texts me about the secondary that almost gave the game away. Everyone texts me about the fact not even they didn't text me about the fact that the Niners had an opportunity that uh, were had a had a big lead and they squandered that none of that nope none of that all the texts were was about Jimmy G and the fact that he threw this interception again they called him some people were calling me oh a little interception happy oh man not quite as accurate as he looked last year 
What's going on over there? And so you started seeing that that being sent out, and that was frustrating. That was definitely frustrating. I was like, oh, I don't like that. Don't like that at all. So I thought that was interesting, and I think going into week three, we now have to go against a Kansas City Chiefs that is offensively a juggernaut. They are a juggernaut. Defensively, though, I mean, these last two games with them have been complete shootouts. They've been shootouts and just, the, you know, the Kansas City's just run up that score like no other. So this is going to be an interesting game for us. I could easily see this thing getting out of hand. I think the narrative going into week three is two things. It's going to be about the the vulnerability of the secondary and Jimmy G and these interceptions. I think this is really what people are going to be talking about. This is what the analysts are going to be talking about. They're going to be talking about that the Niners have been exposed in two areas. Some of Jimmy G's accuracy and definitely in that secondary. I would say probably the third narrative they're going to be talking about is that we don't really have a dominant receiver that, you know, Goodwin helps spread out the offense. And now that Goodwin is gone or he's down, we really don't have that. And hopefully he's back. I got to actually check the injury report because I'm not actually sure what the deal is with that and whether, you know, if he's questionable to come back and, you know, what the deal is. I'm not entirely sure what the, what the deal is on that one. But that, I think, is really going to be the narrative going in. What was interesting to me, and I think what made some 49er faithful fans nervous is in the second half of week one, you definitely saw a Jimmy G that was nervous, that looked not as calm and cool and collected as he normally does. And he looked a bit out of sorts and he forced some plays. And we just, you know, we saw, we saw Superman come back down to earth a little bit. And that's the thing. See here, I'm going to tell you guys right now, that's okay. That's okay. This is, this is growing pains. This is now a real full season this is not a drill this is not coming in as a backup this isn't the element of surprise this isn't the sometimes there's as an athlete you have these as an athlete you have sometimes the pressure there's a different kind of pressure when all the cards are stacked against you and no one expects you to do good versus when all the cards are pointed at you in your favor and everyone expects you to do good I think there's a natural tendency with athletes to rise against an opposition but then when that opposition falls away and expects you to be the best it's just a different psychology and it has a way of psyching out athletes because you're the natural the natural disposition for an athlete is to go against something is to 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 push against a wall but if the walls open and they just say hey come come to the throne baby come sit at this throne this is your throne right all you got to do is walk up the track that is psychologically a little bit difficult. It's easier to say, this isn't your throne, you don't deserve it, you can't have it, than it is to just walk up there. This is that emotional, this is what this season is. This is this is that season that teams have where they're not quite good enough to, they have the talent, they have the coaching staff, they have, they have a, a, enough pieces that it's obvious that this team is going to be really good. But they're still about a year away. This is that year for the 49ers. This is really it. You saw a glimpse of it last year, but you're really seeing it this year. So there's going to be 
you just have to be prepared because this is one of those up and down years where the Niners are going to look really good sometimes and they're going to look really bad sometimes. And the parts of us that work are going to work really efficiently and the parts of us that don't are going to expose us and probably lose us some games. And you have to be prepared for that as a 49er faithful because that's the kind of season this is. This is that season where you're one year away. This is like 2014 Warriors, you know, or um, 2009 Giants. This is like where they're they're good and they've got some pieces and, you know, and and they've got some components, but it's just not quite there. I would say another really great example of this was the Phillies last year. This is like the, the you know Phillies maybe probably a little bit a little bit further ahead than us you know maybe maybe like the Rams last year um, possibly I think the Rams are going to win the Rams won more games last year than will win this game this year but we're 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 not fully formed and we're very vulnerable and it's it's still going to be a little bit of time and I think as a 49er faithful you kinda you've got a hold to the rod and stay faithful because I think the biggest mistake that some people made and I I know a lot of fans did this a lot of fans made made mistakes of really thinking we were going to win somewhere between like 10 and 11 games and I thought that was insane and I said that on the pod nine and seven eight and eight eight and eight is losing every other game I have us losing next week against the Kansas City Chiefs I don't think we're going to beat the Chiefs I think the the Chargers uh, the following week the Chargers game is a pick'em, and then we've got Arizona, Green Bay, L.A. Rams, Arizona. I mean, it, that's a this first half of the season is absolutely brutal. It is so brutal. Um, yeah, I mean, look at that next slate. You got Kansas City, Chargers, Cardinals, Packers, Rams. Cardinals again, and then we have a snooze fest: uh, Raiders, Giants, and the Bucks, and then Seattle. But this is that season. This is that wonky season. This is like there, we're like a, a pup that hasn't quite a pup that's obviously going to be a really big dog one day, but the the we still don't have our legs quite underneath us, and that's what this is going to be. And I think the the. I think where some Niners fans are so frustrated because, you know, there's been some definitely been a backlash after week one, oh, the first week, everyone needs to calm down. But if that backlash has become, because I think the expectations were a little lofty. I think Niner fans got a little cocky over the summer and got a little too um, too confident in what this team was capable of. And the, th- and the hard part is he, what makes this so difficult is that when you have a quarterback like Jimmy G, it's hard not to think like that, right? Because we all know that the quarterback is the most important position in football and that if you have secured a player that can play at the highest level, your fortunes can change in an instant. Just look at the last five games for the Niners last year. In particular, the two games that I think really stand out was the game against Jacksonville and the game against Tennessee. Tennessee was fighting for its playoff life last year and Jacksonville obviously was still fighting for seeding as well. Either way, it was the number one defense in the AFC. And so that, you had those two factors, and Jimmy G played really strong against both teams. But even last season, you saw red zone woes with this team. You saw picks from Jimmy G, and you saw a defense that really didn't have much. Now, hopefully, now that 
week two has ended, Reuben Foster is going to get back in the lineup. And hopefully the combination of Reuben Foster and Fred Warner, we can start to see a little bit more coming from the front seven. And that would be really nice. It would be nice to see the front seven really start to put some pressure on and make this dangerous. You know, if you remember back to the Harbaugh days, in Harbaugh's era, the front seven was really the foundation of our team. Now, if you look, like this is what was really, I always thought this was really interesting about the Seattle Seahawks and the San Francisco 49ers in that era when both teams were at the height of their powers. I'm talking 2012, uh, 2012 and 13 were the years, right? Pete Carroll, basically what Pete Carroll did, Pete Carroll, if you guys remember going back to 2010 or 11 when they beat the New Orleans Saints, I think that was 11, maybe it was 10, but they they had a losing season, they get in, the NFC West is a dumpster fire, and then they miraculously somehow incredulously beat the New Orleans Saints, and it saves Pete Carroll's job because he would have lost his job. So if you remember, if you go back to that season, if you look back, once Harbaugh came into the NFC West, what did he establish? He established a strong defense, really solid running game, and like these dink and dust, dunk, short yardage passes, passes that played to Alex Smith's strengths. But it was heavy-duty defense, huge running game. And when he established that, the entire NFL followed suit. The, the Cowboys did it a couple years later, and in particular, the team that really adopted it early was the Seattle Seahawks and then the Cardinals a year later. But the Seahawks were the first team to really adapt this. I mean, they were just a clone of the San Francisco 49ers. Was, they, had, they had Russell Wilson was their Kaepernick, Marshawn Lynch was their Frank Gore. And then on the defensive side, what they did was they flipped the script, mainly because of Pete Carroll's heavy extensive duty as um, a secondaries uh, position coach back in the day. Do you, know, you guys know he's from San Francisco? That always bugged me. That always bugged me that he was from San Francisco. San Francisco boy. Anyways, going back to this. So he he had obviously he's really good with secondary, really good with corners and safeties. And what they did was they they went to the back of the defense. We were the front seven. Our philosophy was we cut off your head. We cut off the head. We cut off the quarterback. Pressure, pressure, pressure. The Smith brothers. Alden Smith, Justin Smith, we cut off the head. And then Carroll was the opposite way. He was like, we cut off your hands. You know, we cut off the extensions. You, you're cutting off the head, we cut off the hands. We take away all of your receiver, your receiver threats. You know, they, they also applied a lot of pressure to the quarterback, but there was a legion of boom, and it was all about getting rid. We cut off your hands. 49ers cut off your head. Legion of boom, cut off your hands. And that was the philosophy. Now, fast forwarding now, bringing this all the way back to the current era, the reason I talk about that is I think that bringing Reuben Foster and Fred Warner back, bringing Reuben Foster back into the lineup and having him join Fred Warner puts us in an opportunity we can get back to cutting off the head. Now, speaking of lines, let's move over to that offensive line for a second there. The offensive line has got me worried. It really does. It is, it is looking rough out there. Jimmy G is running for his life, and we all know that when a quarterback has to run for his life, a couple different things happen. Accuracy dips, um, you get forced passes, you get interceptions, but most importantly, 
What have I said since last year? Nobody, nobody should be allowed to touch Jimmy G unless maybe you're a porn star because apparently that's okay. But going back to this, nobody should be allowed to touch Jimmy G. So this is really interesting because you start seeing all the pressure piling up on Jimmy G. You see an O-line that's again depleted. This is so frustrating, man. The O-line, the O-line, the O-line. That was another thing we had in Harbaugh's era that was pretty stacked was that offensive line. That offensive line was super stacked, especially in 2011 and 2012. And then the injuries started to pile up, um, especially like by 2014. Oh, my God. It was like every other week someone on the offensive line was being carried off and dumped into the morgue. So the O-line has me worried. It definitely has me worried. You should be concerned. You should be worried. Jimmy Gee, if his grandmother reaches out for a hug on Thanksgiving, the center should be there to slap her hands away. He should be the bubble boy. Jimmy G should not know human contact for the next 10 years. She's like Rogue in X-Men. Remember Rogue in X-Men? Rogue, if she touches you, she absorbs all your power. So Rogue was never allowed to touch anybody. She had to wear gloves all the time. That's Jimmy G. Jimmy G is like the Rogue of the San Francisco 49ers. That's what he should be in theory. But right now, everyone's touching him, man. Listen, I know he's good looking. Keep your hands off him. That's our boy. Knock this off. I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. It makes 49er faithful scared. 49 faithful don't like to be scared. We like to play confident. So quit sacking our boy. So here's the things that you need to look for going into next week. What is Reuben Foster going to do? What is he going to do? Who's he going to be? Can he add pressure and give another dynamic edge and can we get a front seven that has a decent amount of pass rush can we have that can we have a pass rush that gives us some pressure on other quarterbacks and gives us a semblance of a defense Richard Sherman's been playing pretty well he, you know he's had his side of the field covered pretty decently we need more pressure DeForest Buckner needs some help out there Salmon Thomas needs some help out there. I like what I saw out of Fred Warner. I want to see what happens when we put Reuben Foster out there. Let's, let's see what that combination does. Can we start getting back to chopping off the head? If we can start chopping off their heads, that'll give us more opportunities. I think the other thing you need to, the other narrative you need to go into going into this next week is the interception count for Jimmy G. That's got everybody worried. Even though he actually played a great game today. That was just that one. But even that there's that one, and there was the three last week, even though that first one wasn't his, let's just say there's there's three solid ones that are his, the one from this week and the two from last week. It got called back. Plays get called back all the time, right? That punt return got called back. That's a th that's going to be the narrative going into this, is that, oh, maybe Jimmy G is not as accurate as we thought. Oh, oh, we got we to stay, you know, we, we, uh, you can trick Jimmy G. You can force him to make mistakes. He's not as perfect as, as it seemed. Those are the narratives that are going to be going in the negative. I'm just talking about the negative narratives. Here's the thing that, here's some positives takeaway because we have been focusing a lot on the negatives and I'm just focusing a lot because I know this is what everyone's going to talk about. And these are the narratives. These are, you know, the narratives almost always in sports, unfortunately, are either you're super dominant and you're unstoppable. So everyone talks about you then or 
or here's all the things you're not good at and make you vulnerable. Those are like the two things that people talk about in sports. No one cares if you're something in between. You're either a, a beast or you have glaring issues that need to be addressed. And those are the only two narratives that exist in sports. The good news is we won. We beat the Detroit Lions. I think we're going to beat the uh, Arizona Cardinals. I'm not scared of them either. I think we're going to struggle against the, the good teams. And we're going to play well against the, uh, against the weak teams. We're going to beat up on the weak teams. But that's where we are this season. That's the kind of team that we are right now. That's where we're at. So it's totally okay. Don't have an issue with it. You shouldn't. I don't. Because that's the team we are. This is that Philadelphia Sixers season from last year. You know, where, oh, they're good, but oh, they're still really young. And, you know, they're just, uh, you know, a piece or two away. They got to figure it out. But this is that season. This is the season. Well, what, Her- what John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan do after this season is going to really make a break and say what happens in, in the third year of this tenure. But last year was like the dumpster fire season with a glimmer of hope saved in the last five weeks by Jimmy G. Garoppolo. Now this season is the growing pain season. We have our we have our system. We have our coach. We have a great quarterback. He is a great quarterback. Don't even think twice about it. He's great. Solid. We have some decent receivers. Uh, we we need another weapon. Marquise Goodwin, Goodwin and McKinnon. That was that hurt us. That really did. Hopefully. Pettis can start to fill it, step into that role and really fill it. I hope you fantasy owners, I hope you didn't start Pettis this week. I didn't do it. I have him on my bench. I didn't do it. That's another thing. Actually, I'm gonna go on a I'm gonna go on a little tangent real quick. Hey, real quick. I have a full I have a rule in fantasy football that I shouldn't share with you guys because it's my rule. But my rule is don't get high off your own supply. I almost never draft 49ers players, even at their height. I never draft them. You know why? Because you get so emotionally attached about what to do with them. Should I start them? What about this? What about that? I'm much more cold and calculated when it's guys that aren't on my team because I'm not thinking about all the factors. I'm just looking at it. It's much more black and white for me. So if you want to make your life a little easier in fantasy, don't get high off your own supply. Okay? All right? There's my little nugget for you. That'll be $5. Thank you very much. So going back to this, the Niners won. Solid effort. Defense got exposed in the fourth quarter, as they should. But I think that the thing that you have to take away is that a win is a win is a win, baby. Just win, baby, as Eddie DiBartolo used to say. He didn't actually say that I'm lying. It's Al Davis, but I just wanted to appropriate from because I know the kind of thing drives him nuts. Just win, baby, as Eddie DiBartolo used to say. So... A lot to be a lot to look forward to. This Kansas City game is probably going to be a shootout. And since Raymond isn't here, I'm going to I'm going to guess the lines with you guys today. What do you think the Vegas line is right now for San Francisco at Kansas? What do you think it is? I'll give you five seconds. Give it your thought. All right, here's what it is. It's Kansas minus six. Now the question is, do you take that bet? I was actually surprised that the line wasn't a little bit wider. I I would have thought maybe they would have said Kansas by 10 or nine and a half. 
you know? I would have thought that, but Kansas by six. Now it's early, so it's only nine o'clock on Sunday night, so it is very possible that what they're going to do is what the lines will change throughout the week, depending on what they see coming out of um, out of the weekend and injuries and whatnot. But I, th- I was I thought that was really interesting. I thought that was a very interesting line. I was like Kansas by six. So I don't know. I guess I have a little bit more faith. Faithful. Uh, just kidding. More faith in the Niners than I expected. So, anyways, that was really interesting. I uh, I was surprised that the line was six. I would have I would have maybe maybe eight and a half, nine and a half is what I thought would have been um, a little closer to what Vegas would have done. But what say you? 49th and faithful. What? Do, let me ask you this: What do you think about the narratives going forward around Jimmy G? What do you think that's going to be? Also, what do you think about Kansas City minus six? Is that fair? What What do you think is going to happen in the game against Kansas City? Let us know. The YouTube comments is usually the place to go. I like it. So, anyways, we'll be back next week with another edition of the Goldcast. We're back. We're in the swing of things, baby. You know, we're getting this done. We're in the swing of things now. So we are back. Uh, Really excited to be back. Raymond will be back next week. We'll we'll keep it moving. So you can find me on Instagram at Rudy Solis 3. You can find me on Twitter at Rudy Solis 3RD. So concludes another edition of the Goldcast. We are the voice of the faithful. I'm your host, Rudy Solis III. And with me is you. You're my co-host this week. So boom! We'll see you next time. Same Goldcast time. Same Goldcast channel. This is, is the Goldcast.